Welcome to City of God, a podcast of the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Dr. Owen Strand, and I'll be your host. Join us each week as we engage the city of man with the biblical wisdom of the city of God. Welcome to City of God. Today on the podcast, my friend Jason Dees, he's the senior pastor of Christ's Covenant in Atlanta, and we are talking about how to be a man, practical edition. We had a past podcast where we were talking about this in theological terms from the Scripture, and now we're going to push a little bit more into some wisdom issues. So everybody get ready. We're not necessarily going to have a Bible verse behind everything we say here. We're not necessarily uh, uh, delineating this content, giving you this content as if it is from the Bible directly, so let this be lined out, let this be clear to everybody. Here's the proviso, here's the banner, here's the exception clause. Nonetheless, as Christians and as Christian preachers and teachers, we actually have to push into the wisdom issues. We actually have to take biblical realities, and then we have to say, and this is how I can best try to guide you into this reality. So we're going to do that today with the issue of manhood. Jason, very quickly, do you see a lot of people giving kind of practical guidance to men today in the ways that we're going to talk about? Yeah, I think people are kind of afraid to. You know, I, I, you called me this week, and I was really glad that you did do this podcast. I, I uh, you know, and I'm not trying to make a political statement here. I'll just say, I'll just say, a writer, a Christian writer that you and I both know, had a lot of negative press toward him because somebody was yelling at him, taunting him. He was with his wife, and he took a swing at this guy and then got away. And I was thinking, like, man, when did it go from being honorable to defend your wife Mm. to something that you were uh, chastised for doing? And um, and so I I do think we're almost a little afraid. I mean, some of the stuff that I think we're going to talk about today, um, people are almost afraid of this manhood category in general— and so, yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're a little timid to kind of wade into the waters of practicality, but it's so important if, A, you're a young man seeking to be a man, and B, you're a dad trying to raise up men, um, or C, just a, an, even a person that's along in your age but looking to grow uh, as a man. Um, so I think this is really it's, it's helpful for all men. I think it's helpful for women who are looking to marry a man mm-hmm. or looking as mothers to help raise young men. And so, and you say there's no biblical category, and obviously we're, we're kind of talking. I know we're going to talk about it, and it's not like chapter and verse from the Bible, but the, the biblical kind of framework that I use to think about a lot of these things, Owen, mm-hmm. actually is qualifications uh, for leaders in the church. I mean, I kind of look at those you know, are my men moving toward being good elders? And a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk to someday today is super practical stuff. Yes. Um, but it's the kind of stuff that I would hope that a deacon or an elder in my church could do. And so, um, yeah, so that's yeah. Uh, there's a little biblical framework for you. No, I don't think it's totally arbitrary, these things. No, that's great. You're exactly right to point to fatherhood as one example where you have to flesh things out. The only thing you say is a father, and, and part of the pushback you get online uh, from young men who, who dislike working these things out in some cases is, is sadly that they don't have a father, they didn't have this modeled, and there may even in some cases be bitterness there. But if you are a father, you can't just— quote the Bible verses uh, from the Scripture, Old and New Testament, to your son about what it means to be a man. 
You have to work out right. clothing decisions. You have to work out, does he get a summer job? You have to work out, how are you training him to play sports if you are? You have to work these things out. It's not optional, actually, for a father. So that's why fathers are typically the ones who talk about this stuff, because we realize you have to train. It's not necessarily that we assign a, a, a revelational value to every piece of wisdom we give our boys, though it's all shaped by the Scripture, God willing. But it is that we want our boys, for example, and here we dive in. You ready? Let's buckle up. You, yeah. want, you want your son, you say, in some correspondence we've had, to do something hard. Okay, uh, here we're not talking about all the verses like we've said. What, wh- like what? What do you, you want to train men to do that is hard? Why? Yeah, well, I mean, I think you should be—your son is going to need— and, you know, we've—the uh, we, last time you were in Atlanta, Owen, I, I had you come and preach, and we did a series actually on manhood. And You remember your passage? It was on courage, right? Mm-hmm. The, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. <laughs> and we're not talking about courage, but, but really maybe more grit. I did another uh, sermon just on this idea of grit. Can your son, or you as a young man, is there any, is there any markers of grit in your life. Um, and, and if not, and if not, go and do something hard. And, and, and if you, if you want to be able, I mean, I think it was, um, you know, I think it was, uh, you know, uh, uh, I mean, it was one of the, the kind of old classic thinkers, but this is good advice. Like if you want to be virtuous, do virtuous things. If you want to be tough, go do hard things. And I think there is a sense of grit. Um, even just again, thinking about like even aiming at, officers in the church you know to be an officer in the church is a very hard thing it requires a lot of grit it requires a lot of forbearance and patience and there's a lot of character that goes along with that so um you know one of the things i did last year that was incredibly hard but incredibly fulfilling was you know we i hiked rim to rim to rim in the grand canyon you know and i did that with some guys it was very hard but it was very rewarding so you know go on a hike go do something that you think will stretch you go climb a 14er that's a great thing to do with your adolescent son. Go to Colorado. You know, there's some there's some 14ers, the collegiate peaks out there. You can climb three in the same day. Go go climb three 14,000 foot mountains with your 18 year old son. That is, that's an amazing thing uh, to do. You know, again, this is where sports and I, you know, I, I know you know O Town guys on the basketball court. You've never seen um, such grit and skill. And I want to I want to talk about skill too. Um, but, you know, I know for both of us, Owen, playing sports, we're so formational in our life. And, you know, for me, I mean, me, when I was, you know, I was thinking we're in August right now, or just early September, I'm thinking about two-a-day practices, having to push the sled, mm-hmm. you know, and golly, I just wanted to roll over and quit and die. And I'm so grateful that um, I didn't, I didn't, you know, and I kept at it. Yes. Um, and, and that little activity when I was, 12 or 14 or 13 years old has so helped me. Another thing I put on here is get a degree, right? Both of us got PhDs. Um, Owen, you know, for him, I'm sure it was easy because he's brilliant. For me, being a little more challenged, it was incredibly hard. And, you know, you turn in those chapters for your dissertation, they just get destroyed. Or you sit before a committee yes. and, uh, and, and, you, and what do you do? What do you do? You know what you do when you get destroyed? You go back to the library, you open the book again, and you you make it better, you know, and you you just you get after it again and again and again, and and that's something that I really think that men, 
that, that men can do and that God desires men to be able to do. Um, yes. You know, there is a sense of endurance, right? Even in our Lord, right? He endured for us. He endured for the sake of his Father. He endured for the sake of his own glory. And uh, I think a man that's trying to imitate God is one who can do something hard and endure. I love that. I think of 1 Corinthians 9.27, more along the lines of the physical stuff you were talking about there. I discipline my body, Paul says, and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. So Paul isn't exactly saying here, right, be a weight room hero. That's not the first application of what he's saying. Be the dude with the bulging out veins yelling at everybody, you know, in the gym. Uh, the way sometimes people take that. But Paul, make no mistake, is a very tough customer. He endured all sorts of hardships. Oh, he gosh. Could, he could How go, tough was Paul? He was so tough. He was so tough. I mean, yeah. And that directly fueled I his mean, gospel proclamation, his missionary journeys. And so we are losing something if we lose sight of passages like that. And part of what you're pushing us to is to do hard things uh, not not just for their own sake, they're, they're good to do, but also because we're trying to become a man by the grace of God who disciplines yeah. his body and keeps it under control. And Jason, what is more cultural in 2020 than not being disciplined in your body and not keeping it under control? Yeah, I mean, yes and amen. And, um, you know, I, I mean, obviously, like, the culture has—I mean, <laughs> I almost, like, it's so hard to even, like, into the culture because the narrative of the culture is so far away from anything I think that God desires from us. So yes. you know, one of the things I say to, um, to young college men, and this is exactly this, is do hard things so that you can do hard things, right? And you know, I, I, my, my freshman year of, of college, I remember getting stretched in so many different ways. Um, you know, you know, I was pledging a fraternity. I was staying up late with that. I was having to get up early. You know, I had school, the strain of school. I was in, you know, and I remember, I didn't know that I could stay up all night and then functionally go to class the next day. But, <laughs> but after I did that, I realized, oh, I can do this and not die. And so, you know, do hard things so that you can do hard things. The, the, me yes. pushing that blood when I was 12 years old that I didn't think I could do, but I, somehow I pushed through. That was developing in me the same kind of grit that I now need as a pastor to bear with one of my church members in love who regularly disappoints me. It's the same kind of grit that I need to be a faithful husband. And so, you know, when you're 12, 13, 14, 15, and even today, I mean, the the Grand Canyon for me last year, for example, that was a gritty thing that helps me to continue to do hard things. So do hard things so you can do hard things. Things. I love There's a couple it. of these other categories there that I want to talk. I think that are so important for manhood, uh, and I know we're short on time. But can we jump into some of the well, other ones? Yeah, let me let me. Um, I have one I want to highlight here, okay? Because I want to get to a okay. couple three before we before we end, okay? So, with the magisterial, it, it, it's, it's your show, O Town. I'm sorry for uh, <laughs> trying to. Uh, <laughs> hey man, hey man, alpha manhood. I love it. Um, I, I want to talk. Sorry, I, no, dude, dude, you're good. Alpha manhood is good. Um, you don't have to repent of that necessarily. Solve a problem is another thing you've highlighted, and you say this under this category. I want to go to a, at least a couple others. we got to go rapid fire. Try to fix something, you say, that you would normally call someone for help about. I love that. Right. Explain to me what you're after there. Try to fix something you wouldn't normally be able to do. Yeah, And, and, and all of these I'm thinking like, okay, 
I'm thinking both just developing your skill, maybe as a young man, but also as a father, modeling these things to your children. So one of the things that men have to be able to do, I think, is solve a problem, right? If you're going to, we talked in a previous podcast about being an initiator. If you're an initiator, you, 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 you initiate a solution, right? You, you initiate that, that I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make this right. And so how do you grow as a problem solver? And the way that you don't grow as a problem solver is to anytime there's something that breaks in your house. And I understand, like there's sometimes I'm, I'm right now trying to fix my freezer. Okay. And I've been ordering these parts and I've been taking the freezer apart. And you know, what? I've finally come to the point of, okay, I can't fix it. I've got to call the repair guy. Yes. Um, but I'm glad my sons saw me at least try. And there are a lot of things I do. You know, we live in a – did you come to my house when you came down yes. here? Yes, a mid-century okay. modern, beautiful so, house. Yeah, mid-century modern. It's a flat-roofed house, but there's these beautiful trees all around my house. We love the trees. But if you live in a flat-roofed house love the trees. among a bunch of huge trees, there's going to be – your roof is going to require repair. And so I have, like, figured out – and I'm not necessarily volunteering my services for every one of your listeners, but I'm a pretty good <laughs> roof repair guy, you know? And I just, I just figured it out. And you know, you know what my sons want to do? They want to come up on the roof with me and watch me fix the roof. And Love and it. and you know that's something that I could call a guy to do, but I don't need to call a guy to do that because it's my house, it's my roof. I'm responsible for it. And again, I'm not. Again, I I want to be very clear. You know, I'm not trying to present myself as you know a person that can totally fix everything. I cannot. Sure. But I, I think that men should try, yeah. try to fix it. You know, give your best crack at it. You know, we, we actually had a situation um, and, and, and where John Kellis poured wax down my – he took the, a ton of wax from this candle, poured it down the drain of my bathroom sink, okay? And so, you know, there was part of me that's like, man, I'm not going to get this out. But I got John Kellis. I said, hey, let's fix this together. We took the sink apart. We took the pipe out. We figured this thing out with vinegar and baking soda. You can break up wax. And we fixed it. Yeah. And it was so rewarding. I was so glad that he was there watching me do that. And he was helping a little bit. Yes. And he was and he was taking ownership of the problem that he actually created. <laughs> and and to me, that is something that men that there's two things that they can they take ownership and they can solve a problem. Okay, we got to get just a couple more here. Here's where we're going next, and this will surprise some listeners. You have a category called Create Something under Things Men Need to Learn, and I'm thinking here in Churchillian terms, you say paint or invent, design something, garden or plant. Let me frame this real fast. Winston Churchill is one of the manliest men I can think of in, in really, history— uh, not an evangelical Christian, but fantastically courageous, very principled man, imperfect in many respects, and yet, man, he's the reason why we have Western civilization in human terms. Yeah. So Basically single-handedly saved Western civilization. <laughs> as much as someone can single-handedly <clears throat> save the West and the world <laughs> to a serious degree, yeah. Winston Churchill is that man. But he loved to paint when he was relaxing, and he loved to garden. So uh, why do you have this aesthetic category? Aren't men, aren't manly men like the types we're calling for? Aren't they non-aesthetic? Or, or can they actually love beauty and love the world God has made? Can they keep their eyes on the trees? So once again, I don't think I'm getting these categories, Owen, from some sort of you know American— 
mythology thing. Yeah. I think we're getting these categories from the Bible. And so who is, you know, as I think about what God is calling me to be, it's as we talked about in the previous episode, it's to imitate him. It, to be the ultimate man, I want to be like the ultimate man who is actually not Winston Churchill, but Jesus, our Lord. Well said. And one of the things that we know about um, God is his the nature of his creativity. God has made us to be like him, to image him. And one of those, and one of the ways that we do is, is when we create something, um, how, when are you being more, you know, when are you imitating God more when you create or cultivate what he has created? And so, beautiful. um, to take, um, paint and a canvas and to be able to put something on that, that is beautiful is, I think, incredibly masculine, incredibly like God. And of course, you know, women are called to create also. These aren't strictly masculine, but sure. I think these are something that men should be able to do. Yes. Write a short story, you know, I put on there. Can you tell a story? I mean, I think a man knows how to tell a story in a captivating way. I think you can figure something out. I almost put, on one of the categories I put, build a treehouse. Uh, I actually put it in solve a problem, but mm. I think build a treehouse. If you've ever built a treehouse, there are so many problems to solve, right? And I'm talking like build a treehouse in a tree, right? Don't get the like cop out four by four, four corners square thing. I'm You're talking throwing like, heat. You're throwing heat out. out here. I'm talking, yeah. And if you don't have a tree in your backyard, you know, I know there's not as many trees out there in Kansas <laughs> City, but You're good. Uh, you know, if you you know if you if you got a tree in your backyard, figure out how am I going to make how am I going to incorporate this tree yes. into a treehouse for my kids? And it'll you have to solve problems. You have to create something. You'll have to use you know, this design, this invention, intuition that I think is 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 really powerful, um, and I think it's something that, that speaks to what, what true manhood really is. Man, that is that is. Oh, such... another thing I put on there is give a gift for a friend. I think a man knows how to give a creative gift to his friend, uh, and that's, you know, that can be hard to do. Don't just give the gift card. One of the things that stirred me to think about even some of these is, you know, we recently lost our friend. John Powell, and, you know, one of the things I so respect about John is, you know, he was so good at giving gifts, and that requires thoughtfulness and creativity, Um, and it was so masculine. That's exactly right, and and there you're signaling towards the the model of the gentleman, which is something we haven't talked about thus far in our two podcasts together. I think you and I could literally have a podcast all day, and I want to encourage you to write a book about this, by the way, and I am dead serious, and now I just put it on air in public, but I think the model of the gentleman here— uh, encompasses a lot of this. If you think about the English gentleman or the early American gentleman, he, he's a very masculine guy. He's a guy who, you know, will go out into the wild. He'll, he, he wants to hunt. He wants to fish. He wants to yeah. at least be in nature, even if he doesn't do those things, and, and take dominion. And yet, he's also a guy who can wear a waistcoat well, and he's a guy who can write yeah, write a letter exactly. to his friend, and it's eloquent, and he quotes a, a, a beautiful poem, and he's a guy who can get a gift for someone. And, uh, and young men today have lost that model. They don't, even in churches where we talk about strong biblical manhood, which is awesome, praise God for that, we don't push in and we don't really talk much about the model of the gentleman. There's a lot there, though, that I think we need to try to recover, rightly understood. And I would just say, and I would just say, too, and I want to quickly hit these last two, and I know we're running short on time, but I would just say, like, for example, the treehouse, that's a great example. Um, 
men in churches that are mature, when you're building a treehouse and you're figuring out how to solve these problems, invite young men over. Hmm. They will come. They're they're looking for an older man that will invest into them. Hmm. Or, you know, if you are working on your garden, um, invite someone in on that with you. And so then you're not just teaching – you're not maybe – you're in a discipleship relationship. You're not just teaching them God's word, but you're also teaching them. Um, I think some of these marks of a gentleman, if you want to call it that, um, you know, along the way. Hey, two more things. I think these are really important too. Refine a skill. I think this is being lost in manhood today, right? Mm-hmm. In a video game culture, yes. refine an actual skill, right? So, I, you know, I put here things like learn how to throw a curveball, learn how to play an instrument, work on your handwriting, learn how to hit a nine iron. Um, these are things, again, and again, every man's not going to do every one of these. The, the principle here, though, is can you do something over and over and over and over and over again and learn how to do it with excellence? I think that is one of the marks of true manhood, yeah. that you have given yourself to something so long that you actually can do it really well. I mean, even back to the qualifications for elders, one of the models, one of the qualifications for elders is to learn how to teach. When you first preached the sermon, Owen, how was it? It was not very good. Yeah, I mean, you look at that sermon now, and you're thinking, "What?" I look, Tim Keller says, "You know, your first 200 sermons are always bad." <laughs> and I think there's something about manhood that can keep doing something poorly in order to one day do it really, really well. And, and then think... the last thing I put on here is, "Yeah, oh, go ahead, sorry." Well, I was just going to say fast uh, before you get there. Um, I think that's that's part of how men come to understand that they are manly in a God-glorifying way, uh, whether right. they are in right. ministry or not. And sometimes in our world, we can be so theology-driven uh, and learning-driven that actually men in our congregations who work a trade or who have these skills in a specific vocational area can feel like they're not really cutting it. But what you're pointing to is that that is exactly what God wants men to do. God wants men to be providers. And part of being a provider, frankly, is not just getting a paycheck— we don't just function in, as Christians in terms of getting a job. Sometimes you have to just get a job. That's, that can be a God-honoring. What we want to do ultimately, though, is, is create a vocation and cultivate, cultivate yes. a vocation, which means right. you're exactly right, developing skill. When you are doing that, yes, imago Dei, man and woman alike, but in particular for those providers, that is a distinct way to, to image God in his glory as a man, cultivate skill. I love it. How was Adam going to bring glory to God? He was going to become a really good gardener, and he was going to create a really great garden, and he had to learn along the way. And the last thing is be responsible for something. You know, and and I'm thinking more, I think, parenting here, but I want my children to feel the weight of responsibility. I've got John Kellis, who's my six-year-old, a BB gun, and we're already working through gun safety, and I love watching him. Because, you know, I have him put the safety on between every shot, right? Yes. And so we're working through gun safety. He realized it's a BB gun. It's not hurting. It's not going to hurt anybody. But we are—I want him to feel, wow, for me to have this is a huge responsibility. I am responsible. I could really hurt someone with this. And, it, and he's taking responsibility for it. I, I love that he's feeling that weight. And I think that if we want to cultivate manhood— um, there's a sense where we have to kind of push the bird out of the nest. And I think that's true in church culture. 
Um, we don't want to push them out of the nest too soon, you know, but we want to – there is something that's so great when you feel responsibility for something, and uh, men are willing to take responsibility. Somebody said, what is leadership? And I think in, in so many ways, leadership is responsibility. It's who's the person – when you walk into the room, the leader is the one that says, I'm responsible for this. Right. I, you know, at the, at the end of the day, my, the buck stops here. You know, my yes. back is against the wall. Right. And, and, and I think as men, we're, we're called to be leaders of our home. We're called to be leaders in many other ways. We're oftentimes, you know, called to be leaders in the church. And so you have to learn the weight of responsibility. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Paul in First mm. Corinthians sixteen thirteen. I think that that's kind of a banner over what we've been discussing. Jason Dees, I have loved this conversation. Uh, I hope listeners who agree with me will find you on social media and will tell you uh, that you should write this book that I was just talking about, um, <laughs> How to Be a Man, something like that, because I think you are primed to write it. Yes, you and I have young sons in the home, so sure, there's a sense in which we're we're trying to live this now, and we're imperfect, and we're not the fathers and husbands we should be and the men we should be. We have much to repent over and confess to God on a regular basis, and yet there's very little wisdom. There's very little biblical teaching on these things, so whatever whatever uh, this this takes in your life and ministry, I'm thankful for your wisdom. Thank you for being on City of God today. Hey, love you, brother. Thanks for the time. All right. God bless. Thanks for listening to City of God, a podcast at the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. We're so thankful you stopped by. We encourage you to continue to join the conversation at cpt.mbts.edu, the official website of the center. And we encourage you to follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Join us in coming days as we continue the conversation on what it means to be the city of God in the city of man.